Welcome to the I Have ADHD podcast, where it's all about education, encouragement, and coaching for adults with ADHD. I'm your host, Kristen Carter, and I have ADHD. Let's chat about the frustrations, humor, and challenges of adulting, relationships, working, and achieving with this neurodevelopmental disorder. I'll help you understand your unique brain, unlock your potential, and move from point A to point B. Hey, what's up? This is Kristen Carter, and you are listening to the I Have ADHD podcast. I am medicated, I am caffeinated, and I am ready to roll. Listen up, y'all. I am pinching myself. Today's guest needs no introduction, but you all know that I'm going to give him an introduction anyway. He is the reason that my dad was diagnosed with ADHD and that I was subsequently diagnosed a few years later which I cannot wait to talk about. I owe so much to him. Edward Hallowell is an American psychiatrist, speaker, New York Times bestselling author, and podcast host. He specializes in ADHD and is the founder of the Hallowell ADHD Centers. Hallowell is the author of 20 books, most notably, in my opinion, Driven from Distraction, an updated version of which was released recently and delivered from distraction. So please join me in welcoming Dr. Ned Hallowell. Thank you so much. Very nice to be with you and what a lovely introduction. Thank you. Oh, I am so glad. So I just wanted to let you know, I don't know if you remember me telling you a few weeks ago that you are the very reason that my dad was diagnosed with ADHD and I was then diagnosed a couple years later his doctor recommended Driven to Distraction back in the 90s. And my goodness, he was such a classic ADHD case that we, he would read your list of symptoms that you had in that book out loud. And we would just like <laughs> roar laughing like, that is so you, I can't believe it. <laughs> so he was then diagnosed and medicated, thank God. And so much of his life changed because of that. He went on to get his PhD. Wow. And I know he's, it, it's just amazing to see what can happen when someone with ADHD is given the care and the treatment that they deserve. Yeah. So you must have been a little girl when. I was, well, I appreciate you saying that. I was in my late teens ah. when he was diagnosed. So he was diagnosed around like 45. And I was in my late teens. And then when I was in college, he started nagging me. <laughs> There's really no better term for it. He yeah. nagged me for a couple years because he really felt that I had ADHD as well. But when you're, you know, 20 years old, you're like, Dad, you don't know anything. Right, right. right? And so finally, I consented to a diagnosis because my college career was imploding. Uh -huh. and yeah. And so then I was diagnosed as well, but it's all because of, of your book. So thank you so much for your work. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, it, it's a privilege to be able to reach people and, and be of use to them. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious how you got started with your work in ADHD. Now you mentioned that you have it yourself. Is that what compelled you to be interested in the disorder? Well, I also have dyslexia. Going through school, I'd never heard of ADHD. It was called ADD anyway, but I knew I was a very slow reader. Mm -hmm. But 
I excelled academically, so nobody thought, you know, thought anything about it. And until I'd gone through college and medical school and residency, and I was doing a fellowship in child psychiatry back in 1981, when I heard a description of this condition I'd never heard of called attention deficit disorder. If you told me before then someone had attention deficit, I thought it would be some kid who hadn't gotten enough attention. You know, but they, and uh, but no, it, when I heard the description, I said, "Wow, uh, that sure does sound like me." And and I also realized that the medical deficit disorder model left out all the good stuff. Yeah, and I've been taking advantage of the good stuff throughout my life: imagination, creativity, energy see things differently, all of that, a visionary dreamer. And so I knew there was a whole other side to it that people, the medical model was leaving out. So that was back in 1981. And, and John Rady, who was my chief resident, and I you know, began to have regular discussions about this based on what our patients were teaching us, because the, the textbooks didn't include any of the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, and then in 1994, Driven Distraction came out and, and and really brought this condition to the world, and so, yeah, I've been I've been uh, on a mission because I, I I know how misunderstood it is, and how incredibly better your life can be if you get it diagnosed. And and unfortunately, most people think of it as this deficit disorder, this terrible condition that's going to curse you throughout your life, and. You'll, you'll never amount to anything. It, it's just so misunderstood, mm-hmm. you know, but, but we're getting there. But, you know, and, you know, the biggest undiagnosed group are adult women. It's yes, almost invariable that uh, if a woman goes for help, she'll get diagnosed with depression and anxiety and put on an SSRI, which is the last thing she needs. And it's just a, it's just a shame because once you, if you get the right diagnosis, you can take off, you can become the entrepreneur, the superstar, the amazing person, the fulfilled, happy, you know, professional, mother, friend, wife, competitive athlete, well, you name it, and you can be all of that. But in, until you get the diagnosis, you usually are, are stuck in, you know, repetitive frustration. Mm. Uh, so so it's, a, it's a huge deal for people to understand what this condition really is. And then to get the right help to, uh, as I like to put it, unwrap their gift. Oh, I love that so much. I would absolutely love to hear from you more about what you find to be the gifts. And here's why. Because I come from a perspective where I don't consider ADHD to be a gift, but I I want my mind to be changed. (laughs) I really do. And I want to give my listeners the opportunity to decide for themselves, you know, what they think. So I've had, I had a whole episode entitled ADHD is not a gift, but I, I definitely think that hearing your perspective and being able to kind of grapple with your own, you know, you, you have been observing ADHD for 40 years and I would love to hear from you. What aspects do you feel are kind of like in the gift category? Why do you like to label it as being a gift? If you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, sure. First of all, I, I don't call it a gift and leave it at that. 
Mm. Uh, it, it is a condition that is composed of positives and negatives. Mm. So, so until you know what's going on, it, it's uh, usually a mixed bag and predominantly a bad mixed bag. So sure. until you know what's going on, most people experience it as a curse, hardly a gift. As one of my patients said to me, if this is a gift, tell me where I can return it. Yes. <laughs> what's the exchange policy on this gift? <laughs> Until you know what's going on, mm -hmm. uh, usually you're frustrated, underachieving. You know, the older you get, the worse it gets. You're, you're not living up to your potential. Addiction is a very common problem in the world of ADHD multiple divorce, very common, mm -hmm. many jobs, many firings, many uh, fits and starts, uh, underachieving. Depression is more common than in the general population. Suicide is more common than in the general population. You name the problem, it's overrepresented in the world of ADHD. So undealt with, it is, it is terrible. It can ruin mm -hmm. your life. For us, Barclays research shows that it cuts on average 13 years off a person's life. It, that, puts it, that puts it in the realm of cigarette smoking in terms of damage it can do. So, mm -hmm. so it would be absurd for me to say this is a gift. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't say that. I'm, sometimes people misunderstand me. However, I do say if you manage it properly, Mm. can turn it into a gift. It will mm. always have some negative. And my job as a, as a, as a doctor and, and as someone who has it in my own life is to maximize the positive elements and minimize the negative. So as I like to say, unwrap the gift. You know, the gift part of this is hard to unwrap. Uh, but if you put your mind to it, you can. So what are the potential positive elements of this condition, which until you know what's going on is usually more negative than positive. So right. how do you turn the, the negatives, all those bad things I just mentioned, and you know how can you possibly turn that uh, sow's ear into a silk purse? Well, the, the positives that most people don't know, realize, look at the, the three negative symptoms, the way this condition is defined in the diagnostic manual is in terms of three primary symptoms, distractibility, impulsivity, and hyperactivity or, or restlessness. Yeah. Those are the three. And the whole diagnosis rests upon nine symptoms related to inattention and nine symptoms related to impulsivity and hyperactivity. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the deficit disorder model. That's the medical pathology-based model. You take each one of those negatives and turn it on its head, and you get a spectacular positive. Okay, what's good about, what could possibly be good about being chronically distracted, chronically unable to sustain attention? What could possibly be good about that? Well, curiosity is what's good about that. We are unbelievably curious. That's why we're so distractible. What's that? What's that? What's that? What's that? We want to know. You know, what's in that Petri dish? Oh, it's penicillin. How about that? We want to know what's under that rock. Oh, my gosh, it's a gold mine. What about that? Now it can get us into trouble if we say what's under her dress and we lift it up. You know, that, 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 that's curiosity that is not going to serve you well. So, you know, we our curiosity can get us into trouble for sure. 
but it, it is also what drives discovery, what drives, you know, the Nobel Prize. It, it comes from, and curiosity is a quality you can't teach and, 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 and you, you can't buy, you know. These mm-hmm. kids and these adults that we become are endlessly curious. That's our driving force. We want to know why. We don't know why we want to know why. We just want to know why. We want to know what's behind the curtain, what's behind the wall, what's behind. And we, we don't even know why we want to know why, but we are driven to find out why. Yeah. And that's why we make uh, such great inventors, discoverers, entrepreneurs. We're forever exploring the new and the unexplored. Okay, so that's the next one, the next big negative symptom, impulsivity. Oh, she's so impulsive. He's so impulsive. Can't think before they act. They, you know, forever getting into trouble. They're just going off half cocked. They're reckless. They're irresponsible. They should think. Blah 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 blah. blah. Bad person. You know, just just impulsive. Well, think for a moment. What is creativity? But impulsivity gone right. You don't plan to have a creative idea. You don't say it's two o'clock. Time for my creative idea and burp it up. You know. I mean. Creative ideas pop. They come spontaneously. They come when you least expect it. The man who discovered the uh, polymerase chain reaction, the, what we use to test, test for COVID, was sitting in his car with his girlfriend in front of a sunset in California, and she fell asleep. And so he started daydreaming. And that's where the whole polymerase chain reaction came to him. It came to him in this daydream because his girlfriend fell asleep. And in the space of literally minutes, mm-hmm. he had he had come up with one of the most important discoveries in biology in the past 100 years. It won him the Nobel Prize. In fact, after he thought it up, he said, this is going to win me a Nobel Prize. And it sure did. Right. And, uh, and he, had, he had big time ADD. You know, that moment of impulsive, you know, and, and that's where we... We come up with new ideas. We don't know where they come from, why they come, but they just come. They, and in fact, you know, people who have, never have new ideas, they can't believe us because we've got more ideas than we know what to do with. They, they, they was like, you, you know, those, those big piles of used tires you see. And, uh, you know, that's that's us with new ideas. We've got more of them than we know what to do with. We oh, put them right. in a big pile and most of them go unused and most of them aren't all that good. But the ones that are good are really good. And so, so essentially, that's the upside of impulsivity is creativity, originality, imagination, you know, mm-hmm. so it and yes, it, it comes up with a lot of blind alleys and things that aren't worth pursuing. But at the same time, it, you know, and, and it's and it's our capacity to turn the ordinary into the extraordinary, you know, and that's what falling in love is all about. You fall in love you because you take a person and the next thing you know, you, you've turned her into someone better than, you know, most people think she is or him, you know, and and, uh, falling in love is, is, you know, uh, fervor, passion, faith. It's all about improving the ordinary, using the imagination, using your creativity. So, Mm -hmm. so, you know, and again, that's a gift. Mm -hmm. And then the third one, hyperactivity, you get to be my age. I'm 72 years old. It's called energy. You know, I'm really glad I've got this little turbo pack. You know, I, I've, I've got a lot of energy and keeps pumping me along, you know. So, uh, you know, so 
I'm not saying it's an unmitigated blessing, but I mm. am not saying it's an unmitigated curse, which is the way most people look at it. Mm. And those three that I just described, curiosity, creativity, and energy, those are major assets that you can't buy, you can't teach, that, you know, I thank God I've got that. Now, I ha I've had to work hard, I still do, mm. to discipline, to control. You know, I say it's a race car brain with bicycle brakes. So I've had to work on my brakes. I've had to work on my you know, blurting things out that I shouldn't or doing things. I mean, uh, impulsivity. I can't tell you how many women I asked to marry me on the first date. We're having a great time. Let's make it last, you know. So so fortunately, they had better breaks and they'd say, wait a minute, let's let's spend a little bit more time together. So so yes, the the impulsivity can lead you in in directions you, you, you probably shouldn't go. But at the same time, it can lead you to the Nobel Prize. And so my job is to help people maximize the potential upside yeah. and minimize the damage that's done by the downside. So mm -hmm. listeners, don't get me wrong. I am not saying this is a gift. No. But I am saying there's a part of it which, if you unwrap it carefully, can mm -hmm. serve you extremely well and separate you from the others who will never be able to do what you're able to do. That was just the most beautiful and encouraging explanation. I appreciate it so, so, so much, truly. And in order for someone to really unwrap the gift, as you say, obviously we want diagnosis, proper treatment plan. And one of the things that you talk about a lot is coaching which I just love so much because I'm a coach. I love helping my clients and I love seeing the progress that they're able to make. And it's actually for someone who has ADHD, it's a very, almost like an immediate gratification profession, you know, where you can like meet with someone, they have a transformation in the session, they're feeling better, you feel amazing, like that dopamine hit comes, you know, like you feel amazing. And so as an ADHDer, I think it's, just an amazing profession. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hey, Kristen here. I'm the host of this podcast, an ADHD expert and a certified life coach who's helped hundreds of adults with ADHD understand their unique brains and make real changes in their lives. If you're not sure what a life coach is, let me tell you. A life coach is someone who helps you achieve your goals like a personal trainer for your life. A life coach is a guide who holds your hand along the way as you take baby step after baby step to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish. A good life coach is a trained expert who knows how to look at situations, all situations, with non-judgmental neutrality and offer you solutions that you've probably never even considered before. If you're being treated for your ADHD, and maybe even you've done some work in therapy, and you want to add to your scaffolding of support, you've got to join my group coaching program, Focused. Focused is where functional adults with ADHD surround each other with encouragement and support. And I lead the way with innovative and creative solutions to help you fully accept yourself, understand your ADHD, and create the life that you've always wanted to create, even with ADHD. Go to IHaveADHD.com slash focused to join. And I hope to see you in our community today. I love in your work, especially delivered 
from distraction. You talk a lot about group coaching and like a kind of how it could relate to a 12-step program. I think it's brilliant because what I found, I have a large group coaching program. And what I found is that the connection and community aspect of a group coaching program is so much more beneficial than one-on-one coaching. Not that one-on-one coaching is not beneficial, has its place, it's great. But can you talk to us a little bit about group coaching and like the the goodness that you see in that? Well, well, first of all, do you know who invented coaching for ADD? Was it you? It was me in, in, in Driven to Distraction. Get over here and let me give you a hug. Thank you so much. Like what an, an incredible, amazing human you are. I, I said what these folks need is not a therapist so much as a coach, someone to help them sweat the details, the nuts and bolts, match their socks in the morning and show up mm-hmm. for class on time with a pencil or a pen, you know, and, and that that's not traditional therapy, but it is very needed. You know, they, so I was saying they need a coach and that's, and, and now as you know, it's taken off and, and wow. um, group coaching. I love the fact that you're doing that because that's just so much more dynamic and suddenly groups, you know, groups are, you know, one of my, one of, one, one of my mantras is never worry alone. So when you bring people together to, you know, try to solve a problem, you've got all this energy. As long as you have a leader like you who can keep the group from turning into chaos, which is where people with ADD tend to go, as long as, you, as, long as you've got a traffic cop to, you know, keep people yeah. waiting their turn and whatnot, it, it, you're getting the benefit of, you know, two heads are better than one and three heads are better than two and so on and so forth. So that's brilliant. It, it also... For the practitioner, for the coach, one of the reasons I stopped coaching once I'd invented it is I found it incredibly boring. Uh, but done one-on-one, it is pretty boring. But now you've solved that problem. You know, you're doing it as a group. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes it, you know, suddenly you're taking off and, and yeah. you're seeing people get excited. And this yeah. is wonderful what you're doing. Group coaching right. is, and, and, and it's a lot more fun for the person being coached. Mm-hmm. You know, to have someone else saying, I can't do that either, or, I, you know, what am I going to, and then, although someone else says, well, I've got a solution for that, you know, and, and it's called a post-it note, or I've got a solution for that, it's called quit that job, or whatever, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, so, so you, I think that's wonderful that you do. I just think, well, thank you, and I, I think it's just beautiful because there's so much shame involved with being an adult with ADHD. Oh, and that is the, that is the, you know, the core of it. it and it just, I want to go out to every single one of those people and hug them and kiss them. And you're not supposed to do that these days, but I, I, I want to anyway, and just say, please, that shame is, it's, it's the human experience. And we all do things that are embarrassing. People with ADD, Number one, we're less able to conceal it because we tend to just let it out there. And number two, you know, we we just get all the we're so used to getting criticized or put down or rebuffed or rejected. We just do wear it like, well, that's what I deserve. I, you know, yes. I deserve a, a spanking every day, you know, and, yeah. and, and, it, and it's just uh, these people. Shame is what holds them back so often. They have so much to offer. Mm-hmm. And if they can just say, look. 
my model is Julia Child. I don't know if you've ever seen her cooking show, but she 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 had this great cooking show, and it, she'd be doing this very elaborate French uh, recipe for uh, poaching a salmon, say. And by mistake, one episode, she dropped the salmon on the floor. And most people think, oh, my God, we got to do it all over again. She said, whoops, just pick it up and put it back in. Nobody will know the difference. That was her voice. was like, And it just modeled for me. It just so what she had, it went out into the air. It was a famous episode. You know, that, that you know, just, oops, you know, just move on, move on. We all We all make mistakes. And that's what I try to do in my life. And I try to encourage, you know, I misspoke. I shouldn't have used right. that word, or I shouldn't have said that thing, or I shouldn't have, you know. And and, uh, and particularly these days, when you get taken to task for anything, I mean, the, I used the term "rule of thumb" in a lecture not long ago, and someone came up to me afterward and said, "How dare you use that term?" And, and I said, "Boy, I'm sorry. I thought it was just an idiom." They said, "No, it comes from British common law when you were allowed to beat your wife with a stick no wider than your thumb, and that was the oh rule of thumb." My. Goodness. And I said, honestly, I had no clue of that. No. I had no idea. I certainly was not encouraging people to beat their wives. I mean, that that's just a, it's just an idiom. I, mm -hmm. I, I, now that you've told me where it comes from, I, I, I won't use it again. But, you know, it's so easy to offend people these days and, and to make mistakes. And, and if you're if you're mortified every time you make that mis a mistake, you just become very inhibited. And for us with ADD, for us to walk around being inhibited, is to, you might as well just suck the juice right out of us because we, we we're not ourselves. If if we can't if we can't be like with you right now, I'm just speaking spontaneously and having fun with you, and and who who knows what I'm liable to say. But 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 if I had to be sitting here hyper vigilant, don't say anything wrong, I wouldn't say much of anything. I just you know speak boring, obvious stuff. Right. Uh, so, so shame or the or the anticipation of being shamed mm. and the avoidance of anything that could shame you mm. really shuts down the lives of so many people mm. with ADD and, and uh, men and women alike. It, people write about it more with regard to women, but it affects us men also. Mm. It's so embarrassing. Mm. I have one patient in particular. He's just so, and he's brilliant, and he said. But he's so ashamed that his vocabulary isn't big enough and he misspells and mispronounces. And, you know, it, it, I, I'll tell you a quick anecdote about that where it really drove home to me about, oh, 30 years ago. I mean, I, I, was, I have a very good friend who lives in New York City and he's a, a publisher. And he had this big fancy dinner, New York Intellectuals, and we're all sitting at this table. And, you know, talking about very fancy intellectual topics. And I'm sitting next to this guy who who, who says that he, he just finished writing a book. And I said, oh, what was your book about? And he said it was about de Kooning. And I said, who's de Kooning? Well, you would have thought I'd taken a dump on the rug. I mean, he looked at me, he looked at me like, you know, and he said, what? You call yourself an educated person and you don't know who de Kooning is? That's that's appalling. And, and I'd had enough wine where I said, you know, buddy, you're the kind of person who gives New York intellectuals a bad name. If you think that Kooning is so cool, you should be thrilled I don't know who he is. So you get to turn me on to this amazing guy who I yeah. think is so amazing. Well, it, to his credit, he, he, he took that. He said, yeah, you know, you're right. That, that's bad. And it turns out de Kooning was a, you know, modern artist uh, in the ilk of J Jackson Pollock and uh, 
But I, ever since that evening, I thought, you know, you, you want to be able to say who's Takumi. Mm. You want to be able to say, you know, I, I don't know that, even if it's something the person you're talking to thinks you definitely ought to know, you know, mm. and, uh, and, and you, you don't want to like, you don't want to feel ashamed. Instead, it's a chance to learn something new. So I learned that evening who de Kooning was, and that guy learned how not to be a jerk, where <laughs> <laughs> he had a lesson in how not to be a jerk. See, and then in the context of a group coaching program, the guy would come in and say, you know, I felt, or you, you could come in and say, hey, I felt so ashamed because I didn't know who de Kooning was. And Everyone in the program would say, I don't know who that is. I would have said the same thing. What? The who does, you know, and you just, you feel so much more like normal. Exactly. Typical, like at ease, because I think we walk around assuming we're wrong, we're doing it wrong, we're thinking wrong, we're, we're saying the wrong thing. And if we can just be like encouraged by the people around us who are like, no, I, I have no idea who that is either. See, I want to take it one step further. Instead of helping people walk around feeling normal, I want them to be able to plug in. And this is where the gift part comes in. I want them to be able to plug into their superpowers. Yeah. So they'll feel better than normal. They'll, they'll say, I can do stuff that most people can't do, which is true. Yeah. The creativity, the originality, the pathfinder, the discoverer, the inventor. I mean, Thomas Edison was a classic. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. So I want them not to just not feel ashamed i want them to be proud yeah you know i want i want to, them to look at themselves naked and say i'm glad to be who i am you know i am i am glad i love it i'm, I'm proud of who i am and and uh, in, instead of feeling feeling shame you know and as you get to know and enjoy who you are mm. it, it's not saying you're perfect far from it we are we've got a gazillion imperfections but it's saying they don't define me. Yeah. I, I, I acknowledge them. I wish I didn't you know, have a problem with procrastination. I wish I didn't have a problem with blurting things out that I shouldn't say. I wish I didn't. But it's who I am. And guess what? I like who I am because I also have a tremendously big heart. I'm incredibly generous. I come up with new ideas. I help people in any number of ways. You know, so the, and, and furthermore, you know, I don't want to slow down the the expression of all the good stuff by the sludge that, that shame creates. And getting rid of shame is very much a group effort. So when you're coaching groups, you know, each person is helping the other out, you know, to, to get past the shame, you know, and, and um, then you feel acceptance and, and then then you can have a group hug. It, it's hard to do it in cyberspace, but you know, it, it's a... a virtual group hug. Oh, this is so much fun. As we wrap up, I'm curious what gives you hope as you look kind of, if you just kind of scan the ADHD community and how far it's come in the last four decades since you've been doing so much work, so much contributing to so many people being diagnosed and understanding ADHD and being able to unwrap the the gift that is the parts of them that are unmatched. I love how you say that the the creativity, the the openness, the big heartedness. What gives you hope as you kind of look to the next 
generation coming up, do you feel that people are being informed more and diagnosed more and empowered and educated? I'm, I'm just curious to hear because you strike me as a very hopeful person. There, there's no doubt that what you just said is all true. We, we mm-hmm. Since Driven Distraction came out in 1994, look how far we've come. Huge. We've come a long way. Uh, and we're we're continuing to make progress, but but in fact, what what gives me hope is probably what gives most people with ADD hope, namely, as the saying goes, it springs eternal. Hope just well just bubbles up within me out of nowhere for no good reason. I mean, I had a really terrible childhood by any reckoning, and yet I am the most hopeful person you'll ever see. Now, do mm-hmm. I have my dark moments? Yes. I have a terrible, dark, depressive uh, part of me that, that that can come out and and just color my world with darkness. But mm-hmm. but but the hopeful side predominates, and it bubbles up, and and I just I just feel, and I think most of us with ADD are like that. We have a dark side, but we but we also come up with the irrational hope. I mean, you know, don't let reality get in your way. Don't let all the bad things that are happening get in your way. Just keep going with that hopeful side of you. And, you know, even if it's unrealistic, you know, it, 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 yeah, the hope, you might say hope is foolish. It's completely unrealistic. Mm-hmm. You know, when we live in a world that has someone like Putin in it, you know, how can you be hopeful? Well, look at what the Ukrainians are doing. Look at their unbelievable spunk, their unbelievable grit, their unbelievable courage and valor and, and, I mean, you know, so, you know, so there there are, there's, you can find reasons to hope in reality, but I think also if you just let it spring up within you, just let, uh, uh, you know, looking into the eyes of another person, you, you can feel hope. I mean, and when I look at you right now, I feel hope. You're, the work you're doing is wonderful and it's, you know, and you, you made it happen and you've created it and you're, you continue to do it and you bring that to your listeners and the people you coach and, mm-hmm. and your children. I mean, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, and we all need each other in that effort. We all need to reinforce each other and, and uh, you know, give one another hope. That is just so encouraging. And I just want to reiterate that I, I truly feel that my work this podcast, my diagnosis, even the transformation in my own children because of my understanding of ADHD, it rests so much on the work that you've done. Well, and I, I truly you. am grateful. Thank truly. you. I'm, I'm grateful to you for the work you're doing. You know, we're all part of, uh, you know, trying to set each other free, you know, to set each other free from the uh, mind-forged manacles is the phrase William Blake used to use for what holds people back but you know it it, uh, and we all have the power to set each other free you're certainly doing that for your your, the folks that you touch if my listeners want more of dr hallowell in their life which i suspect they will where can they find you how can they connect with you dr hallowell well, my website is drhallowell.com, D-R, no period, Hallowell, H-A-L-L-O-W-E-L-L, drhallowell.com. All my books, all 20 of them are on Amazon. The most recent is ADHD 2.0, that came out last year. It's my shortest book. I finally learned it's only 100 pages. It's tailored, <laughs> tailored to my audience, you know, and, and, uh, but I, and I, love to, I love to hear from people.
Great. Thank you so, so much for being here. It's an honor to speak with you. Oh, it's a real pleasure. And thank you for the great work you're doing. Hey, ADHDer, I see you. I know exactly what it's like to feel lost, confused, frustrated, and like no one out there really understands the way that your brain works. That's why I created Focus. Focused is my monthly coaching program where I lead you through a step-by-step process of understanding yourself, feeling better, and creating the life that you know you're meant for. You'll study, be coached, grow, and make amazing changes alongside of other educated professional adults with ADHD from all over the world. Visit IHaveADHD.com slash focused to learn more.